Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, but the bigger news of the day is that Derek Terry has returned, and he's now officially a married man. Derek, I hope you had a great time on your honeymoon last week. I did, Sean. Thanks for the warm welcome back. Um, it was wonderful. Appreciate you coming down, or coming up, I guess, technically, from where you were, coming up to the wedding uh, last Saturday, back on the 15th, and I had a great honeymoon. Happy to be married to Abby. We just had a great time, so... Uh, I know some of you who listen to the show tweeted at me, but I, I had a lot going on Saturday, and by the time I really sat and looked at it, it was a few days later. But uh appreciate everybody who did reach out. I want to say, Sean, you did a great job with me gone. I listened to a couple of the episodes of my drive back home, uh, the one with Jeff Goodman, and then, of course, um, late in the week with Jimmy Dykes and Jay Billis, uh, two of our best episodes ever, uh, far and away, actually, two of the best episodes we've had numbers-wise, so... Great job getting those guests. Great job getting some newsworthy things out of those interviews. Um, but, yeah, I think we're back today. We're going to talk some more basketball in this first episode, right? We are, and I'm I'm excited to have you back. All feels normal again. <laughs> I mean, numbers are great and all, Derek, but it's it's so much more fun when it's you and yeah. I on here talking back and forth. So, but, yeah, we're going to do a mailbag today. We're going to do a Buffalo Wings and Rings mailbag, a place that we've we've talked about for the last month right there off I-75 in London, Kentucky. Derek, after your wedding uh, that weekend, I actually went to Buffalo Wings and Rings. Had the delicious chicken tenders. They got all those delicious wings, all those salads we've been talking about. Uh, Derek, last week I said that we're going to plan on it at some point now that things are getting back to normal when it comes to capacity and and everything in our world moving towards normal. We're, we're going to do some some shows at these locations like Wings and Rings and the Butcher's Pub. And uh, we'll get some stuff. We'll we'll be sure that we schedule those out enough ahead of time to where people can swing by. Yeah, no question. Looking forward to it. I think um, big summer ahead for sure for everybody. I, I know from being on vacation last week, it seemed like, you know, everything's on the upswing with, with COVID. So looking forward to getting down to Buffalo Wings and Rings one day and doing that. But, Sean, if you're ready to hop in, let's just let's just get into this. Yeah, absolutely. familiar faces I see here in the whole oh, yeah. bag. So. We've missed these names, too. We haven't done the whole bag in a couple of weeks. Well, let's start. I'm going to start with a question for you. We can kind of bounce back and forth off each other. Um, let's start here. Ben, ben had a couple of questions. Let's start here with one that I actually wanted to talk about this a little bit. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll dedicate a whole episode to it. Um, probably closer to basketball season. But he asks, it looks like the SEC is going to be the best it's been and maybe ever, and college basketball in general is going to be loaded. With all that being said, what performances and stat lines would it take to at least win the SEC? I looked at this question yesterday because I was like, that's one that I'm actually going to have to think about. Because <laughs> the, the league the league is loaded. Like A lot of the yeah. stuff we don't really have to think about because it's kind of stuff that we dive into enough in our own work. But this is one of those that you have to really sit there and look like the years that the league, like Kentucky's won the league there years where they lost two games. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's going to, whoever wins the league is going to lose their fair share of games. I think this coming season, I don't think it's going to be like it was this last year, how, how Alabama kind of won a ton of games early and things like that. I, I could see, I could see five losses winning the league this year. I don't know how you feel, but like everybody's gotten better. Auburn is better. Rick Barnes in Tennessee doing what they're doing. You you expect Florida to still be there doing some things. Muscleman at Arkansas. I mean, the league has gotten so much better, and Kentucky has too. But I could see 
four a four or five lost SEC team, a thirteen and four or thirteen and five, fourteen and four record winning the league, honestly. Fourteen and four was the first number that popped in my head when I thought of this question. I don't think anyone's just gonna run through this league and, you know, be sitting there at the end of the year having a seventeen and one or, or sixteen and two type record. Um, we know Kentucky's schedule is gonna be the toughest. Like they're going oh, to play yeah. Tennessee twice. You know, they're going to be matched up with Auburn twice. They're gotta have they're to do not, TV. Yeah, good TV matchups. Yeah. Um even the depth of the league is and I texted you this morning about a team like Mississippi State. Yeah. I was on this podcast and basically said that I figured Halland would be on his way out. Uh just because, you know, they had built to a five seed in the two thousand and nineteen tournament, got knocked out first round last year. You didn't expect them to be very good, but he seems like someone who's maybe been rejuvenated uh, by the transfer portal. Garrison Brooks is there, Rocket Watts. I think they might have even gotten one more guy. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, kid that was committed to UK. Uh, Jeff, is that his name? DJ Jeffries. Jeffries. Yeah, DJ Jeffries, yeah. I totally blanked yeah. on his name for a minute. He, he's down there, so he's been someone who's really done a good job um, adding Power 5, like good, solid. Well, I'll say Power 5. Memphis, of course, isn't, but still a good basketball program. LSU's going to be there again, too. LSU, I mean, I mean, everybody. I mean, you can look at, like, Texas A&M seems like a team you can say is probably going to be pretty bad, all that they've lost. Um, Vanderbilt will be bad, I think. Georgia will be bad. Vanderbilt's probably not going to be very good. South Carolina probably won't be very good. But you're going to have, like, probably eight or nine teams um, that on any given night could probably beat anybody. Yeah. Uh, so I'll say 14-4 and four, to answer yeah. Ben's question. Yeah. I think that's probably going to be 15-3. and three, I think you'd feel pretty good that you're going to be able to win the league. At that Was rate. it? What year was it? Was it third? Was it the year that Kentucky and A and M had the same record? Didn't they both go thirteen and five a few years ago? Mm, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 2016. They were it both was definitely that year. 2016. Yeah, and then they and played wanna, in the SEC tournament championship. And I want to think both teams were around thirteen and five overall, if I'm not mistaken, right there, which is a lot of loss. I mean, it's a lot of losses for a team to win a Power Five league like the SEC, but. It's the shift in. It's not really a shift in power as much as it is just every team is getting better. The coaches are at a point now, Derek, where you're getting big name coaches now in the SEC. You're the transfer portal helping the SEC. A lot of kids like Justin Powell went from Auburn to Tennessee. You know, Xavier Wheeler from Georgia to Kentucky. There, there's so many transfers within the league that you're keeping those good players in your league, but they're just going to other schools yeah. now. And good recall on your part that UK was 13 and five in 2016. So yeah, they split uh, that year, and then of course um, defeated Texas A&M in overtime in the SEC championship game. A, a great game, uh, really, really a fun game too, from what I remember. So let's answer Ben's other question here, and then uh, you can ask me one. But he says, if everyone performs to the current expectations and Minson Brooks do come back, what is the reasonable ceiling for this team? And on a recruiting note, what is your takeaway with all these offers to 22 classes racking up from UK? I will let you take that second one because I'm still not caught back up um, on everything that's going on. But real quick, uh, to answer the first question, I would say, um, I mean, reasonable ceiling, I think Final Four type team, I think is reasonable to say that, although I don't think Mintz is going to come back unless something happened that totally caught me off guard while I was gone. I still expect him to leave, but I do think Brooks will come back. I mean, I don't think they're a shoe-in, like no doubt about it, the kind of team you expect to make a deep run. I think they'll have that potential, though. Um, but I still want to see how these guys all adjust to each other. I like the makeup much more of this team. I like the experience that they're going to have. I think, like a lot of Cal teams, I think when it gets to March, you're going to look at them and think that they're a handful. 
So I think uh, top three seeds certainly certainly should be probably the expectation. Would you agree with that at this point? I mean, yeah, I'd be a little surprised and, if they're not at least in the, one of those top. And obviously I've been cautious. Teams. I've been cautious about what I say right now because obviously Derek, you and I both were pretty high on this last team. Everyone was. But then I have Jeff Goodman on the show last Monday, and he thinks that they have everything in it to be a Final Four contender if it all clicks. Jimmy Dykes now preached, preached to be cautious, you know, to, to not kind of just go all in on it. But then Jay Billis talking about Kellen Grady, thinking he's a future pro and that this is a team. And Jay said the same thing too, though. He did say that you don't know how, how good these guys are going to be. You don't know how bad they're going to be. But with a normal year, Derek, with crowd at Rupp Arena, with fans in the building, with a normal summer, exhibition schedule, non-conference schedule, I'm starting to lean towards if they do get if they get Mintz and Brooks to come back, I think that you're an Elite Eight final weekend NCAA tournament top team. If they just get Keon Brooks back, I think they're still in that same position. I, I think they're going to be one of the top 10 to 12 teams in college basketball with the roster they've put together. That's where I'd sit on it too. And, and then as far as the recruiting note, my takeaway with all the offers coming now is that this roster is complete and all the attention is shifted to 22, and it's Orlando Antigua, Chin Coleman. It's a new staff trying to get its feet wet on the recruiting trail, and they're going after top talent. I think that Kentucky's going to try to return to, like, dominating high school recruiting ranks again, Derek. I, I, don't, I don't think – obviously, the great thing about the transfer portal is is if you have a class that you're, you're missing out on some guys, and obviously situations have changed. Like you had James Wiseman that fell right into Memphis's hands. You, you can't help when stuff like that happens. But the transfer portal is there in the spring that you can kind of piece your roster together the way they have now to where if you were going off just high school, this wouldn't be a very good basketball team at Kentucky next year. But when you add the transfer portal into it, we're talking about them being a top 10, top 12 team again in college basketball. But I, I think this – recent surge in offers was more Kentucky's here, it's a new staff and they're getting a head start on this evaluation period that's going to begin this summer. Yeah, and that kind of answers J.D. Hall's question too. He asked, has the uptick in activity with the 22 recruits been because of the addition of Owen Chen? So I think that uh, hits on that as well. And it has. I mean, I think that that's the biggest reason you're seeing it. Now that the staff is in place, these guys know who's my primary recruiter and all that. And I think that that's the biggest uptick. Uh, next question, Derek, I'll ask you this. It comes from Kyle. This is consi- this is saying that Keon Brooks is coming back. What percentage does Brooks need to hover around from three for him to be a decent threat? Um, what do you think, Sean? I think anything around anything above thirty percent. If he if he shoots thirty percent from three, the Kentucky's got a really good three point shooting team next year, and then he's at least to the point to where you have to go out and guard him to the point that he can put it on the floor and make a play. Thirty two percent, something like that, was what I was thinking. But I'm always trying to be careful with as much as I like kind of digging into the numbers. Sometimes I can get hung up on what's kind of average, like what what would it look like if so I was going off last year's team that. uh you know, nobody really shot the ball that well. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of attempts, you know, you get to factor that in as well. So last year, Brooks shot 21%. Yeah. He attempted only 28 threes, though, six for 28. One, I think that number will go way up next year. It will. 
I think he'll shoot way more than 28 threes. Um, you know, anything, I think, I would guess he'd end up around the 30% mark, though. Yeah. That would be my guess next year. And, Do you remember what P.J. shot his sophomore year? Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't. He would be someone who, you know, didn't shoot a whole lot of threes, really worked hard at it, and then um, became a pretty reliable from what I remember. I mean, he I don't remember games where he just, you know, P.J. could get it either way. I mean, he could score on the block or go out and shoot, too. And I think Keon has to develop more of that all-around game. But I do expect with the roster kind of formation that they have now, I think you'll see way more three-point attempts uh, for sure. So and I would say around the 30% mark. Well, I mean, that'll be a pretty big improvement for him. Very well. This past year. And Kyle has another question, too. If Wheeler can get his three-point percentage around 32 to 33%, then I love the makeup of this team. We don't need him taking many shots, but I do feel like the top of the key three will be there for him on half-court sets. Thoughts? I do think that he's a guy that he's not going to have to take as many shots. The thing that when you turn on his tape at Georgia, Derek, is he forced a lot because he had to force a lot. Like there were situations where he got in the paint and he would just throw something up at the basket that literally had like a 20% chance of going in. And that counts as a shot attempt. Yeah, I'm sure you talked about this last week. I, I just think the thing with him is you just have to avoid being such a liability from deep that teams don't have to respect it at all. And I can remember times, I think Hagen's his freshman year, where I think it was against LSU. Do you remember that game? Or LSU was just totally cool, packing the paint, letting Hagen sit back there. And it really clogged things up for everyone else. And, you know, you talk about Ashton's sophomore year, he was a 25% three-point shooter, 16 for 62 and, you know, I don't know what – what what did Wheeler shoot this past year? Uh, is it around there? Mm, what was it he shot? It was low 20s, right? Yeah, it wasn't – I mean, it wasn't good. So I'm wondering if a guy can jump up 10 percentage points in one year. I mean, again, I don't know how much he will shoot. He just has to be able to – you know, simple as it is to say, just enough to make him respect it, really. I mean, just he to shot keep, higher, keep that off He shot ball. above 30 his freshman year, right? He did. Yeah, he did. I believe it was a pretty big dip. Um, so maybe that's why the question was asking 32 to 33% because that actually sounds kind of right for where he was so as a freshman year. P.J. Washington shot 23% as a freshman from three, 42% as a sophomore. That was very good. Yeah. 42%. I mean, he, when he was taking them, he was hitting a lot of them. How many did he attempt? 0. 0.6 his freshman year, 2.2 his sophomore year. So a little more than two a game as a sophomore, and then I don't under. want to see him shoot more, honestly, with the way yeah. he was <laughs> with those <laughs> numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I like the makeup of the team anyway. Um, but I, I do agree with Kyle, though. I well, mean, you gotta if you're gonna have, I mean, it's gonna help though too. Maybe Hagen's not the greatest comparison for this because Maxie didn't shoot it very well as a freshman. Quickly did. Um, this team should have more guys around him to at least keep the defense make them respect them more, and uh, I don't know. And two, I'd like to see them probably push the tempo a little bit more with Wheeler out there as well with yeah. his speed with he, the ball. Yep, and, and uh, he gets it out of his hands so well, too. And the one thing yeah. I'll say about Keon Brooks is I think going into a junior season, you kind of know who you are by now. You know what your weaknesses are, and he's a guy that's had two years of college of basketball, and he knows exactly what he needs to work on, and to me it's going to be shooting a ton of threes this oh, summer. Yeah. Uh, like last season, there was more we, – we didn't know as much about Keon Brooks after that freshman year. Like he didn't get as many opportunities. We didn't know how great his face-up game was. We didn't know the other areas of his game. But now now you know what he needs to do if he does indeed return. And, and Derek, I'm, I'm, 
I'm of the idea here that he's going to come back. Like I just think that you're getting so late now that it just wouldn't make sense to to leave. Uh, but moving on, it looks to, like PJ too. I mean, just just in terms of what Keon can do to help himself at the next level, looks like in this past regular season, um, PJ shot 38 percent from three. Again, a respectable number for a big. You know, I don't think NBA everybody hits threes now, but he developed that skill at Kentucky. And I think he's continued to work on that, and it's served him well in that role. Because you, you have to have that, obviously, now. I mean, that should be – yes, it'll help Kentucky, but if, if Keon truly wants to be an NBA player, that's something he has to get much better at regardless. So, that should, like you said, should be a big focus for him this offseason. Yep. Next question comes from Go Big Blue. It says, personally, I feel Toppin, Ware, and Allen are the key next season. Do you think Toppin could find a larger role? So I posted an episode Saturday, Derek, just talking about the roster overall. And I was kind of saying that I don't want to put a cap on how much, how good Jacob Toppin could be, because we don't really know. Obviously, he could, I mean, he could develop into a first-round draft pick, given his athleticism and things that you you see him do. And like, look at his brother. You don't really know how good he can be, but I do think that he's a guy that could find a a large role on this team. Like, let's say that Keon does come back, and Keon doesn't add that sh- that consistent three. Let's say Jacob Toppin does. Maybe that, like, that's the thing. Like, you got you got two pieces there that are similar, but I think they're different as well. One's a, like, Jacob Toppin's an incredible athlete. Like, Keon Brooks is too, but Jacob Toppin is an incredible athlete. I would see a bigger role. I guess i ask you this. If Cal decides that regardless of lineup, if he wants Damian Collins to be the first guy off the bench – and then Toppin, do you, you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. How often will he play Collins and Shoeway? Or will he kind of commit to let's kind of spread this thing out more? Again, I don't know. I mean, Collins, maybe he'll show up in surprise and stretch the floor more than I think he might as a, as a freshman. But, like, if he kind of sticks with that four-out type, then, yeah, I do think Toppin has a big role. I think it will be behind Keon, at least to start the year. Um, I think Kentucky could have two six-men. I really do. Toppin, Toppin and Collins. Toppin and Frederick. Oh, Toppin and Frederick. So if if now I have now that I have Tata Washington starting at the two. Now it could very well be CJ Frederick starting so at the two. So you had Wheeler, Washington, Grady, Brooks, and Sheboy. Sheboy. Okay. Yep. And then and then it, I even said on the podcast the other day that it could be Frederick at the two, Tata off the bench as the sixth man. But I think that that's what you have is I think you have essentially two dudes that could be your sixth man. And the thing that I like about Toppin is not only is it his his athleticism, I think he has all the potential to be an elite lockdown defender that can defend multiple positions. I think that that is what could get him on the floor a lot more. And that might be the role that – that might be what expands his role more than his offensive game. If he can just be a capable guy, and you don't have to play him at the three, but he could guard a three. If he takes more steps this year, <clears throat> um, Toppin, that is, and he decides to come back, I could see him having a huge yes. senior season. That could be the year. If you can keep him there. Yeah. Um, but also on this question, I wanted to run this by you too, just while we're talking about it. I, I would disagree with, with the person asking, saying that he thinks where could be a key. And the only reason I say that is because, Sean, if they truly do go to the four-out type where Brooks and, and Toppin are, are playing more, kind of away from the basket, is where a five at that point? He has to be a And five. if so, isn't he behind Sheboy and Collins? 
most likely. I just don't really see the minutes for Ware next year. Here, here's point. how here's how Lance Ware plays minutes. Lance Ware plays minutes if Damian Collins is getting pushed around. That's true. And yeah. but I, is Cal going to give up on somebody like that though? Uh, freshman not. with potential one and done, you know, potential. He's not. And here, but I do think that Ware is going to have to play. But I think that you're going to see an incons- another year of inconsistency in his minutes where I think one game he's going to play 10 minutes, and I think one game he's going to play 20. He plays 20 when Oscar Sheboy is in foul trouble, mm-hmm. and it's early in the year, and he plays 10 or fewer when Sheboy is playing a ton of minutes and if Damian Collins. The, the thing with Damian is that he's going to get pushed around some, but his length and athleticism is going to make up for some things. That You kind of got to have that shot, that guy that can affect those shots on the floor. And then if Cal really commits to this four-out, one-in look, it really does push Lance Ware even further down the roster. Like, I think that Lance could be one of the – he could play some – it wouldn't surprise me if he ranks, like, first or second in few split minutes on this roster. Another guy, though, that you probably hope sticks around to be an upperclassman, just keeps developing and gets past that year. But uh, He's on the roster as a junior with Jacob Toppin. I really start to like how that how – that, roster this past season how they struggled at least you have something hanging over to the point that it's developing and that's the one positive that comes from struggling is you got some kids that stay in your program and I do think that Ware will end up being a nice player at some point might as well go to this question because I didn't see it when we started talking about Ware um but it's from smooth 86 is it concerning excuse me, not having another big to back up Oscar. Where isn't a true center, and there have been some concerns Oscar struggled against the length. Uh, I still say no. I still think there's enough bodies down there. I think there's enough. But, I mean, it is it is concerning because if you're you're to the point that if you have an injury to Oscar Sheboy, then you're relying on Damian Collins, a young freshman body, and Lance Ware. I do agree that Ware isn't a true center. I would definitely agree with that. So no, from, from that standpoint, I get it. But, again, are you going to – I just think it's hard to go, I guess, find a, a true five who's just going to be okay <laughs> only playing if it's major foul trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe you could find a, a raw high school center who would want to do that or maybe a, someone in the portal. But I just think it's really crowded. If you had another big to that. It does. And, and we have one more question here, too, about we can kind of stay on this topic. This is from Nicholas. Do you see Kentucky potentially landing any more transfers? I, I don't, unless no, I don't someone either. just leaves. Uh, and that would be Keon leaving. Like, if Keon leaves, then I think that they do. If Keon's back, and I, I think that he is back, uh, you've you've also seen it, it cut down. Kentucky's not reaching out to anyone. We don't have anything else with the guys in the portal. Like it's kind of it's kind of wrapped up now. It's Keon Brooks comes back, and then Davion Mintz is the cherry on top if he decides to. But if not, Kentucky's rolling with what they got. I think. We have some really good questions in the small bag. A lot of ones that uh. This one. Looking forward really to answering this one. Let's see if I well I just passed it. <laughs> right here from Nick. How much four guard lineup Wheeler, Tata, Grady, Allen because of his hot with Sheboy in the middle? Do you think is likely? Oh man, I'm That's I'm over getting, I'm <laughs> over getting very excited about the thought of that, and that is something that I talked to Jimmy Docs about the other day. Was how does Dante Allen get minutes? Jimmy said he thinks that he's going to fight for a starting spot, that he's not going to give anything up 
to Frederick or Grady. His length helps him, Derek. If he can get to the point that he gets scrappy and gets some rebounds, becomes a capable defender, moves well, uses that length, I could see it with his length that binds some minutes at the four offensively. But it would really surprise me knowing who the head coach is. Well, and you know, what else surprises you is you got Jacob Toppin and Keon Brooks there yeah. just going to eat up minutes at the four. But yeah. who knows? Maybe Kentucky comes out and drains 15 threes there in the early part of the season, and Cal's like, hey, I kind of like what's going on here. But you, you're you at least going to see a lot of three-guard looks. I think Grady's going to be the consistent piece that's in the lineup on the perimeter. I think Grady's going to play the most minutes, honestly, of everybody on the roster. Him and yeah, I would say – I was going to say Wheeler, but I think Ty-Ty will play some at the one. I, I think Grady could play 33 to 34 minutes a game, honestly. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, I, yeah, with this question, it's it's – Fun to think about a great off-season question. I think, in theory, you could find ways that it could work. I just think, given the other pieces and given Cal's kind of, I think Cal would have to change a whole lot before he ever thought about putting Dante Allen at the four. We both the know options on the team. We both know that when everybody gets in that gym, Cal's going to look at John Robick and all those guys and be like, "Man, I think we can play Damien at the three. And he's going to put Damien at the three and Lance at the four and Sheboy at the five. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and Toppin's going to play the two. No, but that is fun to think about that. And who knows? I mean, if there are combinations on this team that you could think about, in theory, they probably wouldn't work. But like, you could have Ty Ty, Grady, Frederick, Allen, and someone like Keon. I mean, a super small lineup that of five guys that you think could shoot. Now that would obviously you give and take there. You're probably not going to be a very good rebounding team if any team has side. I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean, like if you're just playing around with these lineups, like there's a lot of versatility, I think, to this team. Or, or even someone like Toppin, I mean, shoot, six foot nine, springy, not not the strongest guy. So, I mean, if you're putting them putting up against a true center five type, I think he's going to struggle. But for maybe if you just have to buy some minutes for some reason, like, I don't think it's totally crazy. I don't think you need to do it, you know, Unless it's out of necessity, but that's the good thing about having enough bodies that are, you know, six foot nine, things like that. In a pinch, you can try to make it work. Um, you know, one thing, too, I want to add here about C.J. Frederick, and some of you will probably think that I'm weird when I say this, but the, you know the one thing that stood out to me about recent videos that I've seen of him? What? How strong his lower body looks. Well, you could have been there if you didn't overslip your alarm. I know. I did. in person. I overslept. But just in video – his his lower body looks like Tyler Hero's lower body after a summer at UK. You remember how Tyler, his legs and stuff, just he got so much bigger. I remember thinking Tyler Hero grew at UK. I remember yeah. standing next to him at one point. I was like, this guy's really tall. I don't remember him being this tall whenever I first his, saw it. But I remember when, you know, that was when Tyler started rolling the shorts. That was right around the time yeah. where it switched back from the long shorts to the shorter shorts. But C.J. Frederick has that, that big lower body, too, for – a two and three, it stands out to me that I think that you can tell the difference, Derek, in these guys that have been in college basketball for two years. Yeah, I think it's a good point. In, in their bodies. Yeah. And I think that's going to pay off for Kentucky this year, when you're, you're especially when you're talking about C.J., who had some lower body injuries at Iowa. It looks to me like that's been a focal point in workouts is building that lower that base and that lower body. And that's what Tower Hero had. That really benefited Tower Hero a ton on his jumper and everything at Kentucky. So that, that was just a, an observation that I've noticed in some things, that he just looks bigger than what I thought he was. Looks more explosive, too. That's, no, that's a good point. It's something I hadn't really thought about. Um, it sounds like 
or coaching thing in you, I think. Yeah, to, uh, no, something like that. <laughs> here's, a, here's a fun one. Um, a lot of these are good questions. Like I said, this is a very enjoyable a great, great welcome yeah. back to you. <laughs> it is. Uh, Ander asks, with the players on the roster right now, who are the top two in scoring, rebounds, and assists? So – or this is this is Kentucky basketball for you. It's May twenty second. This is when this question was asked. We're talking about who the top I'll give you the assist leader right now. Xavier Wheeler's assist Wheeler. leader. So who's who who did you have second? Washington. Great. If Grady plays a lot of minutes, you'd think maybe. CJ Frederick. Okay. Like him as a passer. So there's your top two and assists from, from Sean. I'm gonna say Wheeler for sure at number one. Um just to be different, I'll go with Ty Ty. Just because I think he will probably play some lead guard at some points, but um Top two in scoring. It's a fun one. Uh, Got to think Grady's in there somewhere, right? Grady's one for me. It could be a whole – I don't know who I would say at this point for number two. Two is Sheepway. He was someone I was thinking just because he's going to play a lot of minutes yep. and probably going to have the ball down the block, have some putbacks. What, what would you think for Sheepway? You're thinking like 11, 12 points a game or more than that? I'm thinking 14, 15. 14, 15, okay, a little higher. I, I don't think he was like 10 and – 11 or 10, I think it's freshman well, year at West Virginia. The thing that I think he's going to benefit from is the if Kentucky truly does commit to a four-out-one-in look, there's going to be so much space not only for him to work offensively, but so much space to go for an offensive rebound. That's and, true, and, too. And yeah. I think that that could be a guy that gets you three, four offensive rebounds a game. Uh, with rebounding, I'll go Shibway one, and I'm going to say Keon Brooks, two. Yeah, Keon, pretty good job last year. 6.8 rebounds. Actually, his average was the best on the team. So I think it's probably a good bet to go Sheboy and <clears throat> Brooks. Um, last year, you know, he had a good size. But Brandon Boston was third on the team in rebounding last year. But played a lot of minutes, of course. Um, so, you know, if Grady gets his nose in there, too, anybody who plays a lot of minutes, you're going to be – you would expect them to – to pull in a few rebounds, but I definitely think over the course of a season, um, she Sheboy won for sure, and I would agree with you as well. What would be Brooks. a stat line for you for Sheboy? Like, what's the stat line you think that that he kind of needs to? I was thinking like like twelve and nine. That's that's that would be solid. Yeah, yeah. Something. I mean, I think he needs to be close to ten rebounds a game for sure, because <clears throat> that's going to be you know on a team like that one of his main things. I don't think they're going to, unless he's just improved a ton. I don't see. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's still Cal. He still likes getting the ball down the block and going. I think there will be certainly times that he gets the ball and goes to work, but I don't think he's going to be. When you're talking about options on this team, I, I don't I don't think he'd be in the top two. Do you? I mean, on the floor anytime. I think Grady's going to be up there pretty high. I think Ty Ty's going to get his. Like, I think he'll have his moments, maybe have some games more than others, but. To me, playing you know rebound and playing some good defense, and this points will come in some games. So, and I said I said Frederick would be second in assist. Kellen Grady actually has better assist numbers at Davidson. He had uh, sixty four as a freshman, fifty seven. This should be a good passing team. It should be. The only reason that I'm leaning towards Frederick being second in assist is I think Grady is going to take on a large scoring role. I really do. I think Grady is going to be a lot of off the ball slashing making plays, running off screens, and things like that. Derek, who are these these coaches that are going to be scouting and preparing a game plan for Kentucky is going to have their hands full this year? If John Calipari does this thing right, the way that they're going to stretch you out and shoot it, I mean, you're going to have to cover 25 feet. You probably talked about this on on your other episode. How much does a guy like Sheboy benefit from Wheeler? So much. Yeah. 
so get much. Clubs, getting good spots and, and that's why I think that Damian Collins can find his kind of mark and where he can impact. Because you've got a guy like that that can run the floor. Xavier Wheeler is going to get the ball out of his hands, and I'm telling you, he's going to make the right pass nine out of ten times. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't make the right shot attempt at Georgia a lot, but he had to do that. But I expect Xavier Wheeler is going to shoot ten shots a game. That's going to be as high, in my opinion. And if a lot of that is layups in transition or open shots, then you like it. But he's going to be a guy that I think Derek will contend and push eight and a half to nine assists a game. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you there. I think I think there's a lot to like about Wheeler. Obviously, he has his warts like any player. But I, he's I can understand even double doubles behind Sheboy. I can definitely understand why he became a priority uh, for this team. Let's, let's get a little fun question right here. This is from Keith. Does Cal go back to the suit or stick with the Bob Huggins look? <laughs> I'm gonna say he goes back to the suit. He does. He goes back to the tie too. It's I, think he, I think I uh, think I think he even mentioned it last year that he felt like it was like a little too informal. Just wearing what he was last year. I think Cal likes putting those nice suits on, feeling like, you know, it's a big game. And I think he wants to get back to that. So I'm going to say he goes back to the uh, he goes back to the suit look, but I bet a bunch of coaches don't. I bet a bunch of coaches stick with the, the more casual look. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think that he goes back to the suit for sure, though. I mean, Muscleman just rocks the polo, right, on the sideline. Just... Muscleman's also a very small human, and I he did is. not realize how small he was. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. But he is so tiny. Keith has another question too, Derek, and I hope that the Champions Classic goes on as planned. I think it will. Hopefully it hopefully it's in Madison Square Garden. How do you think UK will match up with Duke this year position by position? Who do you think wins? Should be should be a very exciting matchup, but I will tell you this. From what I saw of Duke's class at Iverson, Paolo Bencaro is going to be an absolute handful. 40 knots next year. If they, well, let's assume if they get to the national championship, but let's just go 31 knots regular season. If he's healthy, good luck stopping that guy. And another guy that I really liked, Derek, when I was at Iverson was Trevor Kills. I know obviously that's mm-hmm. going to sting Kentucky fans because that was a guy that Kentucky got in on late, but I think they got in on too late. Just overall roster, it's hard to tell because obviously Palo and Sheboy are going to be two big bodies. In there, it's not going to be Damian Collins beating and banging with Bancaro, which is a good thing for Kentucky because it's going to be Sheboy. I don't really know where I give an edge there because I think they're both going to obviously do do good things in that matchup when they play. Um, something I don't really know about Duke's roster enough to is like kind of what they'll do. Is Bancaro going to be the five for them or the four? I think he's going to be more of a four, honestly, because they. So if he's so if he's more of a four, there. like. AJ Griffin, like if you're UK, he's six foot seven, two ten. If he's playing the three, who's guarding him? Yeah, like I think he could be a matchup issue. Um, that's just kind of the trade-off, right? If you're playing a three-guard lineup, I mean, you're gonna have Wheeler, Washington, and probably Grady. 
And what's great, he listed at 6'5", probably 6'4", something like that. You know, there's going to be a bit of a mismatch there. And that's so, the other thing. Like, who does Keon Brooks guard there? Does Keon guard Griffin? Does yeah. Keon guard Palo? I mean, because obviously if Mark Williams is playing at 7 foot, 243, that's going to be a big body plan. That, that's where that's where you, you could see Kentucky go big, big. Because you do have situations where you kind of have to, to go against that. You have to kind of negate it with something else. But I don't know. It's yeah, so it's early. Like that that would be a question as we go into that matchup where we watch some exhibition games and stuff that I think we could dive into more. I do think Kentucky will have a chance to win it because I really like Kentucky's backcourt. I like Kentucky having veteran guards. I like Kentucky having veteran shooters. Yeah, that's the one thing about um, Duke, just looking like, – like I said, I don't know enough about the roster. I haven't watched them enough last year, but like who's – is I assume Jeremy Roach is their lead guard. Yeah, that window. I just don't know enough about. Window Moore coming back was a big thing for them too, deciding to come back. That was they'll, big. They'll have a good team for sure. They will. They'll, they'll, they'll be good. Yeah, that'll be a fun matchup for sure. We'll, we'll go more in depth, Keith, when we get to the fall. Like if we go a mailbag, then that'd be a good question. We'll go position by position and break that thing down. Now you're also asking someone the last time that UK played Duke, I picked Kentucky to win, and they lost by like 34. So, and then Brandon has a question: Who do you think will take the most shots on the team? I think Kellen Grady. I agree. It's a team in shot attempts. I'm going to say Grady, and then I think uh, I think Ty Ty, too. Yeah. Opinion. If he starts at the two, I think for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey says, counting Brooks, now we have 11 scholarship players. I understand it's better to have too many than not enough, but at what point do players start getting upset with playing time? If Ty Ty plays off the ball, I don't see Allen or Topping, Topping touching the floor a lot. That, that's the one thing about it, Derek. Uh, but – to me, Xavier Wheeler is going to play the most at point. I think we're going. I think he's going to play 30 minutes at point. Uh, he's he's a guy that's played a lot of minutes in his career. I think Kentucky's going to like having a junior point guard on its roster. Uh, but if Cal commits to this three wing lineup, then you can see plenty of minutes there for Wheeler, Ty Ty, Frederick, Grady, those four. Dante is going to play his minutes, I think, depending on foul trouble, depending on how well he's playing, you know, how well is he shooting. I'm not as worried about Toppin's minutes because if Cal does go to a three-guard attack, I think Toppin's going to play that 15, 20 minutes behind Keon Brooks. I really do. I think that him and Keon will kind of play a lot of the four. Obviously, I think Keon will dominate the minutes, but I could see Toppin playing some minutes before, maybe still in some of the three, depending on situations. I'm with you on top, and I don't, I don't think he's affected that much. Um, maybe I'll end up being wrong. I mean, maybe I was wrong to think of it this way, but I'm gonna keep going back to it. Like in my mind, I kind of feel like Frederick being there. Like I, I kind of wonder if Cal won't view those two as kind of the same kind of player. Yeah. And if those are the two who have to really battle for minutes. I mean, you can never have too many shooters on the floor, but we're talking about Wheeler and Washington and Grady. I think those guys are gonna play a lot. So, the one thing I think there's still a role there. I just think that you know maybe. Like you said, if Dante gets into games and he's hitting shots, playing well, he's going to play. But if other guys are playing better, if he gets in, maybe misses two or three, then like I think it might be somewhere like this year. And foul trouble is going to always be there. One mm-hmm. of those four guys is going to have two fouls in the first half. That's just how basketball works. It's college basketball refs, right? Yeah, nearly so That's right. where like, Dante, I think, <laughs> is going to play. Dante, to me, is going to play 14, 15. Like, we'll, we'll do some minute breakdowns and stuff. I know someone that listens to this podcast that's 
been really big on rotations and stuff, but we were kind of waiting to see when the roster was set and then kind of look at minutes. But I think it could all depend on a lot of things. But there's one consistent thing that I think that Cal needs to do with this roster. There needs to be two shooters on the floor at all times at the 2-3, whoever those two guys are, whether it's Ty Ty Washington, C.J. Frederick, Kellen Grady, C.J. Frederick, Dante Allen and C.J. Frederick. The 2-3 needs to be two knockdown shooters at all times, and that is the one thing that the only time that it doesn't become that is if they move a Jacob Toppin to the three or a Keon Brooks to the three. I mean, that's the thing about this lineup, and I'm not trying to pick on them again, but, like, Ware is probably the only guy on the on the roster right now that I look at and kind of have to squint hard to see where he fits. I think 10 guys on this roster, you can all see a role that they could play to help the team. But is Cal going to have a 10-man rotation? Like, not. I'd say probably not. So someone's going to eventually be pushed out. But coming into the year, I do think that. I mean, I think you can make a case for a lot of guys about how they can help this team. That's a good spot to be in, having 10 guys that – that you feel that way about. And then maybe where works his way in there uh, to where everyone who's on scholarship, you can see having a role, but I, I like Dante. I think that's been established on this. I think he's a valuable player. Um, I think he's someone you want to keep around as long as he can, because, you know, he's going to have his moments too next year. Like all these guys. I would I love did. to have Frederick and I'd love to see Frederick and Allen there in 2022, you know, yeah. after this year too. Absolutely. With, yeah, I, I, with the Jacob Toppin. With top like in and, and potentially Wheeler, I think I read somewhere he kind of wants to be a one-and-done type player, and it's, I'm sure it's part of why he's coming to Kentucky. But, you know, there will be point guards like that available in the portal in years to come. Um, Adam has a question. Everyone has okay. been talking about the offense, but I'm curious about the defense. Do you think this team will be below average, average, or above average on D? Derek, we've talked a lot about offense this spring, and – not a whole lot about defense. He's right. But I'm going to say this. It's a John Calipari coached basketball team full of veterans. This is going to be an above-average team on defense, in my opinion. Not saying it's going to reach the Willie Cauley-Stein level Kentucky teams with, with that, but you have a rim protector in Damian Collins that we expect to come off the bench. You have a physical big that is going to clean up the glass defensively. Kentucky is going to be one shot now to me, on the defensive end. You have Xavier Wheeler, who is active, can get steals. Kellen Grady's got his fair share of steals. I love Grady's length at 6'5". I, th- I think that at his size, I think he can can be disruptive. Um, I think it's going to be a better defensive team than what people are thinking. If Keelan Brooks is on it, I think it's going to – and Jacob Toppin, I mentioned him as a kind of a plug-and-fill piece that you can – to me, Jacob Toppin – his role for me, Derek, is to be an energy guy off the bench again that has expanded his offensive game to a more consistent jump shot, making some plays off the dribble, a guy that runs to the rim, throws down lobs, offensive rebounds at a high clip, but defends his tail off every single minute that he's on the floor. And then you can talk about a guy that can play the, the four but guard a three. Can he guard? We've seen him guard a one and a two in the past. Like he, to me, he's one of the, the pieces I'm the most excited about because I think that he he makes them so much better defensively when he's on on the floor. Cal has options with this roster, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, for sure. I think this past year, or sorry, it was 2020 actually, was Cal's worst offensive team at UK, and it was <clears throat> um, 52nd nationally. In defensive efficiency. So, 
I think this team's going to be just fine the, the defensively. I would say above average. Yeah, the, the veteran pieces is what makes me – like you're talking about guys – Should, should that, spend less time, right, early in the year having a – all the time Cal talks about how much time he has to spend on defense getting guys who are freshmen like – should not be a problem no. to, to any kind He's, of this, this is another lineup that – here's another thing that when you play three, when you play three perimeter players, you can do a lot of switching. You can jump switch everything mm-hmm. on the perimeter. Dribble handoffs, ball screens, uh, all of it. And I think you're talking about guys like Kellen Grady, Oscar Sheboy, Keon if he's on this roster. You're talking about guys that understand how to be, how to be in help, defensive rotations, all of it. I mean, your your ball screen coverage, everything. You you these are guys that have done it. You don't have to teach everything, which obviously we know. These guys that are in high school, they play enough basketball that they know. But we're we're talking, they don't know game plans the way that sophomores, juniors, and seniors know game plans when it comes to the ice ball screens. Do you you go under? Do you go over on things? The the veteran presence is littered throughout this roster, Derek, and I think that's yeah. a big deal. And this isn't apples to apples, but when you go back to Cal at Memphis, whenever he did have more veteran teams, obviously the competition level wasn't the same. But you look at his last four years in defensive efficiency at Memphis, 2006, they were sixth nationally. They were 10th nationally in 2007, second nationally in 2008, and then first in 2009 as last year at Memphis. They were the top defensive efficiency team in the country. So, again, not the same, but you look at teams that were definitely much more veteran heavy guys who had played in the system though for sure to point that out um for a few years and again you're playing teams like rice and you know smu and southern miss i know it's different but to the point that you would expect guys to pick up much you know like you said guys who have been in college programs for two to three years coming in here they know what it takes to perform at this level so cal will be building on that kind of infrastructure that's already there I've not spent much time worrying about the defense, to be honest. I think it's going to be just fine. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, Right here, Tim Markham says, think it will be hard for Washington to start over Frederick Grady. Also look for Toppin to be the surprise of the season. Did we ever answer that one? I do not remember. I don't think we answered that one, did we? Look for Toppin to be the surprise of the season. Thoughts? Maybe we did answer that one, or maybe we had one similar. We had another one about Toppin being a surprise, right? Or am I just – Okay. So uh, I, I think Washington probably – well, it looks like in this question, I mean, like we've said, we think that the – well, we, we think that – at least I know I think, and I think you do too. Like, I think Washington and Grady will both start. So I don't think it will necessarily be him starting over Frederick or Grady. Um, and Frederick may start. Like, that's the thing. Like, But somebody came to Kentucky to come off the bench. It would surprise me if Frederick started, honestly. Maybe I'll be wrong. I know he started two years in the Big Ten. I just think, you know, especially if you're committed to Wheeler at the one, I think Ty Ty, pure talent, what he could be. Um, I don't know. I just don't think he's going to come here and come off the bench, basically. Yeah. And I don't think Grady is either. I think I think Grady's going to be a really important piece to this team. This one comes from – is this Jeremy Ratliff? <laughs> I think that's – that's what his actual name is. Who is one target, potential target, that UK should add to the roster before next season? Or which eligible player, in your opinion, would be the best fit with the current pieces in place? So that that'd be talking about going into this season, right? Yes. Is that how you're reading that? 
Like who who should be added to this twenty one twenty two roster? Yeah, that's how I read it. I just don't know that. Uh, my name would be Keon Brooks, even though he's not really a target that he's on your roster. But that's the name that I throw out. I think that's the guy that you you're to a point now, Derek. Because I think you have to have Keon Brooks on your roster. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I I don't see any other target out there that UK needs to add. No. I mean, I think the roster's pretty much solidified. It is because uh, you're getting so late now into the summer. I mean, it's almost. We're moving into June. Uh, Ricky asks, "Is Richie gonna play?" <laughs> Richie, Richie, Richie. Um, another one is from King Solomon, who says he never lived around here. And all of these names. This is a bit interesting because I think ESPN updated their mock draft maybe after this question was asked. But yes, yeah, CBS uh, Sports' latest mock has Jackson at twenty-five. Have you heard anything about how serious he is about coming back if he's not in the lottery? Mock drafts aside, could he be hearing more hopeful projections from NBA insiders? I, Where I, was he? Wasn't he like 11th on ESPNs? I think that was recent. Yeah, and so then 25 on CBS and still in the lottery um, on ESPN. I don't. I think I've he, heard anything lately. I think he's going to be a lottery pick, even if it's a late lottery. I don't see him coming back. Basically, I don't either. Know. I really don't. And and maybe. If he does, then maybe Keon Brooks decides to go elsewhere. I think that I don't think you get both of them. Like I yeah, just think that, that really that. complicates it. But I would I'm under the impression and assumption that Isaiah Jackson will be on an NBA roster next year and not at Kentucky. I'm with you. Um, and if you have Keon and, and Jacob Toppin there, I still like the potential there. I mean, uh, Isaiah Jackson's a sophomore. I think would be outstanding. Uh, I mean, he, you know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think like national player of the year potential <laughs> could be that good. Like if he's there, but I just think there's, I think he'll get the guarantees that he's looking for, and I think he'll realize that if you're going 11th, like there's still room to move up, yes, but that's kind of risky, right? At that point, I mean, you'll you'll be invested in pretty heavily if you're a lottery pick. So I would expect him to go, and I think that's kind of how everyone at UK is operating. We had a second question from Go Big Blue, too. It says, looking ahead, how many recruits do you feel we will sign in the 22 class besides Sky Clark? Uh, Derek, it also depends on how many guys leave off this roster. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't really know. I mean, this is a different roster, right? Like, it, this roster, to me, doesn't have the one-and-done loaded talent on it. Or it doesn't have the guys that you just look at preseason and say, that guy's definitely – going to the draft. Like Damian Collins, we know, has potential and upside, but do we sit here and say for sure that he's a one-and-done? No, nobody is. Uh, same thing with, with Ty Ty Washington. We don't really know what these guys are going to do. Does Savir Wheeler, we know, come to Kentucky because he wants to get to the league. Is it just one year? Is it two years? I think Frederick is a multiple-year guy. Grady, we obviously know, is a one-year guy. Uh, what happens with Keon Brooks? Is he If he does come back, does he do a fourth season in Kentucky? I don't think so. I don't know. But as far as high school recruits, I'm going to say Kentucky takes – just throwing out a number right now, I'm going to say they take four high school guys at least. Some bigs for sure, right? And yeah. then I don't really know as far as names and targets and things right now just because it's so early that you can't really get a clear cut. I mean, obviously we we know they'd love to have Jalen Dern. I mean, that's the guy that they would would love to have. Uh, but, you know, you got Sky Clark already there. I, I think Shaden Sharp is a guy with Kentucky, obviously. Derek, that I'd maybe keep an eye on there. 
but I would say four guys from that class. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I could see that. And again, five, depending on how many they lose, uh, how how big is the portal for UK next spring? We don't know, right? Who goes into it? I think they're always on a look to add a big transfer from the portal. I think getting physically developed guys, especially if it's between that or a potential project so, at the at the high school level. I mean, the backcourt. If Sky does indeed stick with UK, and then you know Kentucky obviously feels they're in a really good spot with Jaden Bradley. If that's the route that they want to go, um, then you got two guards there. And then we talked about CJ Frederick. How I think he's going to be a multiple year guy at Kentucky. Uh, Dante Allen, you could see getting to a junior year at Kentucky. I mean, you have wing pieces there. I think it's just so hard to to look at right now because this roster doesn't have those BJ Boston's on it that you kind of look at and say, that guy's going to the league regardless of how he performs. Like this roster doesn't have those names on it that you just look at and say, he's out the door before he even gets put on campus. And I think fans are like that a lot more. They are. Even if guys still ultimately leave. But I think we had everything on your replies, Sean. Did you have any DMs? I have one in the in the DM here. It says, of the U, of the recruits UK went after in the Cal era, who do you wish you hate UK had gotten the most? Say that one more time. Of the of the recruits UK went after in the Cal era, who do you wish you hate you you hate? UK <laughs> had gotten, that's I don't know why I'm doing that. UK had gotten the most. So of the guys they didn't get, who do you wish that they would have got? So like the Andrew Wiggins that year in twenty fourteen, uh obviously Cade Cunningham would have been a massive one this past year, a James Wiseman, all those names. Is there anyone that stands out to you that you're like, dang man, that that could have really been fun to see. Trey Young over Quade Green. Yes, absolutely. That was yeah. exactly where I was going with it. <laughs> I, that's why I didn't say it because I was going yeah, to say it. Yeah. I was like, Derek's not going to remember that one, <laughs> and I'm going to throw it out there. Oh, man. It's... There was also another guy. I think they were in the same class, and it was just purely for the defensive possibilities that could have been. But Mo Bamba. I would have liked Shea, Hamadou – or hold on. You could have had like Shea, Knox – PJ Vanderbilt, Young. <laughs> Trey Young if he was on that team, like that—that that was kind of the one that, like, just for defensive purposes to have. Again, obviously Nick Richards turned out to be a great story at UK, really improved, but as a freshman, just was not ready probably for that. Whereas Mo Bamba, the things he could have done, and I—I got all think as a pure talent, like he's not the the best player they could have gotten, just for what that defensive team could have been. An all freshman lineup like that, I think, would have been fun. Wiseman's a good one. I think people probably pick Cunningham, but I'm of the opinion that this team was going to be kind of bad regardless. So, yes, yeah, so it would have been great to see the number we, one pick. Wiggins with Randall in them that year would have been something too, though, if they just went and just ran the table. That would have been – and I would say Xavier Henry. Yeah, and I think a lot of people uh, – or he probably did have a decent college career, but I'm amazed every time I watch the Warriors play. Just like – I just – I don't know. I just – Andrew Wiggins does not impress me. I mean, again – He's an NBA player. Obviously, he's one of the best players in the world from that standpoint. I just mean, like, compared to his peers, you remember, from what he was in college, I'm just a little surprised that every time I watch him play. Name, you know one name that stands out to me that I think Kentucky fans got so invested in that ended up not really doing a lot? Malik Newman. Remember the Malik, Malik Newman from name. Mississippi State, right, and then went to Kansas? Yep. Like, that just – that's just one of those names that I remember Kentucky fans just raved about for months. Watched highlight tape after highlight tape after highlight tape. And then, too, I mean, obviously, we'd be crazy to be sitting here and say Zion Williamson and not say Zion Williamson. For knowing what he turned out to be. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But for guys that we just just looking at 
that they the tranche yeah. backcourt. Which it could have been <laughs> yeah. the tranche. Uh, and then he says, "Who did we get that you wish we had passed on?" Oh, that's tricky, man. It is a bad spot. It does because <laughs> then if somebody hears this podcast room like, "Why? Why us?" Um, oh man, I'm not going to say anybody recent. It's too fresh. Oh goodness, there's been some guys that you. I'm going to plead the fifth on this one. Well, I'll just say this. There there have been some guys that UK was told ahead of time to not do, and they still did it, and they ended up outside the program within a year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to say I don't want to drop a name there. And who is your favorite addition to the current roster? So out of all the guys they've added this spring, Derek, whether high school or transfer, who is your favorite addition to the roster? Um I think Oscar is just what Cal likes. At the five, I think Oscar's really going to flourish here, and I think fans are going to love him because I think he's going to be uh, very happy, obviously, and smiling all the time. I think the way he plays the game, fans appreciate. So I don't know if he's the best guy that they've added, but I think he's the one that I'm most looking forward to watching. I'm going to go C.J. Frederick. And the reason being is because I think he's going to get more than one year at Kentucky. I'm a fan of those guys. I'm a fan of the Jacob Toppin edition last year because you're getting multiple years out of him. Uh, I'm going to say Frederick second. I'll say Kellen Grady. I think those two dudes are going to blow the roof off Rupp Arena a lot this year. When we're yeah. talking Kentucky's going on a run and Frederick just buries a second three from like two or three feet behind the line. Same thing with Grady. Grady would be my number two. But I think, is that covered everything? It's everything I saw. Let me make sure I don't have anything else. I believe that is it. Yep, that is it. We have officially wrapped up the basketball mailbag. If we missed anything, please let me know, and I'll be sure uh, that I get everything in there, and we'll throw it in the next mailbag. We are going to do a football mailbag for the next episode uh, when we do another Buffalo Wings and Rings mailbag. You can add some other questions to that if you want. Uh, no basketball content, though. We want to make sure we put everything in this one for basketball. But as always, make it out to Buffalo Wings and Rings right there on I-75 in London. Great place to catch a game. Great place to catch dinner. Uh, get together with friends. They got delicious salads, delicious wings, chicken tenders, everything you can think of on that menu right there conveniently right off I-75. It's so, I mean, you're in the parking lot within 30 seconds if you turn off that exit. So make it out to Buffalo Wings and Rings there. As always, this is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. We're grateful for the Butcher's Pub and their support in addition to Buffalo Wings and Rings. But glad to have Derek back on Kentucky Daily. Looking forward to an exciting week. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. We'll catch you next time. 